look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, the man who bought an HD TV just so he can see the closed captioning. <laughs> Dave Popowich, how are you? Uh, again, it's been weeks since been I've weeks. heard one of those. It's weeks of work on that one. That's uh, that was clever, actually. That was pretty good, eh? That was a good one. Well, yeah, I've seen your trifocals. So <laughs> I thought I'd throw that in there. I have reading glasses. I'd refuse the trifocals, <laughs> or what they call progressives. Now. That's <laughs> Is that right. what they call it? <laughs> That's right. My uh, ego wouldn't allow that, and therefore I just can't see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about visibility and line of sight, and uh, and some of the things that are going on in the markets. But before we do that, I got to tell you, um, we've got a really interesting show today. There's some tax changes that have taken place for business owners over the past couple of years. We're going to bring on Jimmy Golenbeck. He's going to refresh our memory on that and what we need to be doing, what business owners need to be doing right now to make sure they're not going to be severely impacted from a tax perspective in next year. Correct. This is an income conversation today for yep. a tax issue tomorrow yep. or next year. Yep. So that needs to be solved. We also have two different strategies right. for business owners and key employees or executives that can really save on taxes and help them in retirement. Well, listen, if if you're a high-income owner, a business owner, you've been impacted severely over the past couple of years with both the federal and provincial tax changes. If you're tired of it and you want to hear about some strategies that can help save you some money for retirement, then stick around for that because you're going to find that very interesting. Awesome. Okay. Um, I was going to sing feelings for you, but Don't. I practiced it a little bit. And, Don't. And uh, based on the look on your face, I probably shouldn't embarrass myself. There's four like people that. listening to our show. <laughs> we don't want to lose those four listeners. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to hurt anybody's ears. That's for sure. Um, listen, I, I do want to talk about feelings, though, um, and emotions, and what's been going on in the markets, and um, the kind of behavior it's driving, and the thought process, because it's um, it's scary for people. It is very scary. I'll tell you a story that I had um, in around Wednesday. I was talking to a couple of our clients, and um, they're concerned. They've seen the drop that happened in October in the stock market, yep. and that's, that's I think, is the catalyst for the fear. When having conversations with them about what's their concerns, what's on their mind, um, remember, for our listeners, those our clients are ones who are transitioning to or living in retirement. And these conversations I had on Wednesday sure. were with people who are in retirement receiving income or taking money from their savings in their investment portfolios to live the life that they that yeah. they want. Now, um, the concerns that came out, of course, is the markets and everybody should have those concerns. I get that. Um, the, the strategy of how we're going to handle that, they're comfortable with that. Um, the, the, th the third part they mentioned, Dave, was um, the world's not looking good. Hmm. The world's not looking good. Look, Faisal, we've got no pipelines. Alberta doesn't look like it's booming. Um, who knows what the provincial and federal Taxes governments have gone are up, do. right? You know, the, everything's bad. Politics, yep. Trade war, Trump. Like they, these are the buzzwords that they're throwing out, and they don't feel like we are in a growth environment. Right. And so, if we're not growing, if pipelines, this is the comment that I got from from two of the, the people I spoke to on Wednesday was if we don't get pipelines, then my portfolio is going to be damaged over this. This is going to be problems. Right. And so from a portfolio management perspective, I said to them, look, we have not been bullish on, on oil and gas for a while, mm -hmm. and, and we haven't invested there. So what you see in Alberta, what, what, you're, you're, feeling. what you're feeling when regards to the economy 
is not reflective of how we're investing. Right. And the frustration that you're experiencing, again, I'm having the same conversations, right? Politics comes up. We're frustrated with the politics, federally, provincially, whatever the case may be, right? This all, it feeds into how people feel about things. Yep. Right. And then if they see market volatility, as an example, in October, right, where stock markets are bouncing around, it's a pile on effect. Right. It adds to that feeling of uncertainty, insecurity, frustration, all of those things people are feeling. Yeah. And, and the recent plebiscite that we had with mm-hmm. the vote for uh, for the Olympics, Olympics and yeah. so forth, that caused concerns on both sides. Yeah. Some said yeah. yes, some said no, whatever. Yeah. But that was that caused concerns. If we have it, oh, my God, our city's going to have way more taxes. Now that we don't have it, what are we focusing on from an economic growth perspective? All these, these I, I call them investment angst. <laughs> right. they're, they're really, really hurting our mindset. So it's not, I wouldn't even call it investment angst. I would call it retirement angst. It's uncertainty and fear, right? And so it builds on each other. And this is, the, this is my, my point. Like I'm more of a behavioral finance guy than you are. You're a numbers guy, right? Yeah, yeah. But you, you see how people are internalizing this and how then they're expressing it, right? Yeah. So to express, I'm concerned that if we don't get a pipeline for Alberta, means my portfolio is going to go down. Which means my retirement is going to be affected. Right. That, that's not rational. And people would, listening to it's us not say linear. that's not it's rational. It's not linear. Right. Now, if you're heavily it's exposed emotional. to the energy market, oh, of if you work yeah. here and you live in Calgary and your portfolio's energy right. and you're, you've been betting everything on this, right. then yes. Okay, fair now, Our clients are not. Right. If you've got a balanced portfolio. But for those right. you listeners who are, are exposed heavily, okay. then that's, that's an impact. Right. <clears throat> Fair enough. For Good those point. of you who are invested heavily in Canada, in Canadian domiciled companies mm-hmm. that rely on the Canadian economy, you may be impacted. Right. Although the Canadian economy has grown. Right. As has the Alberta economy, by the way. Yeah, done very well relative mm-hmm. to their, the other provinces and for the nation. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. Like when I walk through downtown, I do a Starbucks check. Right. I can tell you when Calgary's really busy. That at 10 o'clock in the morning when I'm going to run to go see a client, Line if there's up. lineups outside of Starbucks in yep. every single corner in, in this downtown core, yep. then I know we are doing well in this city. We should do a Starbucks index or something. Yeah, like that. I, I, that's a good line. So yeah. Starbucks index says <laughs> we're not doing well right? because I can get a coffee very easily now right. at Starbucks at 10 o'clock in the morning. I also want to yeah I, I want to talk about something you uh, tweeted. not No, tweeted. No, sorry, put on Facebook. Yep. Uh, it was interesting, right? Um because I've had I had lots of comments this week and um, about October and so October stock markets went down and I hear people say, well I I don't feel like I can go out for dinner I I got to drop that trip I was planning on Correct. doing whoa hang Correct. on a second hang on a second right so so tell us what you posted which I thought was interesting yeah so my post basically <laughs> said people are looking forward to tr- to transitioning to retirement so they can reduce the stress in their lives right. yet they plan to watch their portfolio or the stock market every single day. Crazy. It's amazing. That's and, painful. And, and that's stress. Like I, that's there stress. are people who are genuinely um, engaged, interested, want to understand it, doing it from an educational perspective, right. academic perspective. I get that. Right. But there are people who are looking at this saying, how can I run my life? I can't go to Starbucks today because the stock market right. went down. One client uh, <clears throat> called me and said, my neighbor lost $90,000 in the month of October. Right. Okay. They can't retire. Is all they had was ninety thousand dollars? No, no, they're they're multimillionaires. But, but what do you mean they can't retire? Right. Well, they just lost one year's worth of income, but that means they've lost it in the month of October. They can make it back in the future, and this is where structure Stru- of a portfolio say, is the most important thing. When you look at the bottom line mm-hmm. of your portfolio, you will live and die your lifestyle based upon the bottom line of your portfolio. 
when you can actually structure your portfolio in those two major buckets, income and growth, and you look at the income bucket and say, how much more money do I have? How many more years of money do I have in the income bucket? And is the growth bucket still being able to be on track to replenish my income bucket? You change your mindset. It's really um, redesigning or re-engineering your mindset about your portfolio because for generations or decades, we've been... Our industry has been educating the public mm-hmm. to say, all you have to do is grow. Right. But they haven't talked about income. They haven't talked about structure. Structure. That's right. They've talked about diversification, stocks, bonds, blah, right. blah. Right. But they haven't talked about structure. And today, talking about tax just makes it even more interesting. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, and we're going to talk about structure and uh, a strategy, right, structure strategy to prepare yourself for retirement, for the time in your life when you now have multiple goals for the wealth that you have created and structuring it properly to achieve those multiple objectives. Depending on your life savings to provide you the lifestyle you want is the most vulnerable you'll feel as you transition and live in through retirement. You're very vulnerable to every effect that happens. And so we want to show you the solution. This is not a sales pitch. This is to educate everybody who comes to our seminar. So join us on Tuesday, November 20th at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Our 7 p.m. session is now full. We have a few spots left for our 8.30 session. So 8.30, November 20th at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go online to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, and if you can't come to the seminar, or you don't want to come to the seminar for whatever reason, but you want a copy of the book that you and I have written called Bulletproof Your Retirement, which is a narrative. It's not a workbook. It's a narrative. It's understanding what we're going to talk about in that seminar and an application in real life scenario. Then just send us an email. Send us an email at morethanmoneyradio.com. Uh, dot com, and we'll send you a copy of that book as an effort to just educate as many people we can about what We've we made think. We've an e-book as well, so we can ship it out really quickly you so go. you can look it on your, on your iPad or what have you. Don't go away. We're going to be talking about how the recent tax changes may have affected small business and some other alternative strategies. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we're gonna, we've got an interesting show, as we talked about at the top of the hour today, and we've got Jamie Gollum back, back with us today, Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning at CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. Okay, there's been a lot of tax changes, particularly around um, small business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's complicated, and we're getting to the end of this year, and there's some things that uh, people need to be aware of, business owners need to be aware of and need to be doing in order to uh, avoid any what could be some very serious tax implications. Correct. Jamie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the tax changes that have come into effect. Uh, Maybe just give us a a quick rundown for our listeners that uh, own businesses, and then we can talk about some of the strategies to perhaps minimize some of the impact. Absolutely. So uh, if you recall back, uh, not this summer, but last summer, there were three major changes announced to the the taxation of private companies. Um, The first one is the uh, restriction to do income sprinkling, where business owners would pay dividends out to various family members who were in lower tax brackets and and save some taxes. Uh, That's now in effect for 2018. You can no longer do that with some exceptions. The second one was the passive income limitation, which says that if you're a small business owner and you earn more than $50,000 a year in passive investment income inside of your corporation, then you can lose access to the small business rate starting next year. So that's for 2019. 
based on 2018 income. There was a third change regarding surplus stripping and converting income to capital gains, but that didn't go through. So we really have two major changes, one for 2018 and one coming in on Jan 1st, 2019, that could affect some small business owners. Now, you and, and uh, Debbie Pearl-Weinberg put out a report, uh, CCPC Tax Planning for Passive Income, and you came up with five terrific strategies that business owners need to be thinking about uh, as a way to uh, potentially shelter themselves or protect themselves from some of these tax changes. Why don't we walk through them one by one? The RRSP and TFSA contributions, why don't you walk us through that? Absolutely. So we're focusing primarily on the second change, which comes into play next year, which is based on the prior year's investment income. What we're trying to do with this strategy is reduce the investment income inside of your corporation to below $50,000 so we don't lose the small business rate. So first idea, uh, make an RSP or TFSA contribution. We are advising business owners, and in almost every scenario, they should be paying themselves enough money every year so that they can make an RSP contribution and a TFSA contribution. So not only will the money grow tax-free inside those plans, but it allows you to take money out of the corporation which otherwise would earn passive investment income. So really a double benefit there for RSPs and TFSAs for business owners. All right, this one, the second one's going to catch people's attention when I say it, tax-free withdrawals. Tell us about that. So in many, yeah, in many cases, there can be corporations that have balances, either in a shareholder loan account that can be paid back to the shareholder on a tax-free basis. So it's a way to repatriate money tax-free back to the shareholder, uh, taking money out of the company that otherwise is earning passive income. The other thing that you could look at is the balance in the capital dividend account. If the corporation received uh, proceeds from a a life insurance policy, which are non-taxable, or the non-taxable portion of a capital gain, because gains are only 50% taxable, that builds up a balance in the capital dividend account. The shareholder can then pay herself a tax-free capital dividend. Again, it's tax-free, but it also removes uh, assets from the corporation that otherwise might be accumulating and earning passive investment income. And then that money could go to a TFSA or an RSP country, whatever, right? You can you can stack whatever you want. Stack them, you bet. Okay. So there was also one more uh, that you talked about in in the article was about the investment strategy, the type of income that you can make in a corporation or in an investment is is important now what are the what are the ideas that you have behind there yeah so a couple of ideas there as well if you're looking at investments in the corporation maybe there's investments that don't generate annual income so maybe you're looking at equity portfolios that generate a capital gain capital gains are only 50 percent taxable it would actually take a hundred thousand dollars of realized gains in the corporation at 50 percent taxable rate to have $50,000 of passive income. Similarly, with equities, you may not sell them all every year. Hopefully you don't. So you have a buy and hold strategy where you're timing uh, strategically your dispositions of those securities so you're not realizing income every year, putting you offside the passive investment rules. Okay. Let's talk about life insurance. You mentioned that in the article as well. So again, for business owners that are looking to accumulate uh, long-term capital that ultimately they may want to pass on to the next generations, corporately owned life insurance. Here we're talking about permanent insurance policies, whether it be what's called a universal life or a whole life policy. They have different investment strategies and components um, can be a great asset of the corporation because what the corporation is doing is it's moving income from the corporation into a tax-sheltered life insurance policy. All of the investment returns inside the policy, of course, are tax-sheltered, 
and this is reducing the amount of passive income that otherwise might be taxable. On death, the life insurance benefit pays out as a tax-free death benefit, and again, as I said earlier, can be paid out through a tax-free capital dividend to the shareholder. Love it. Now, we on the next segment, we're going to be talking about a couple of structures for business owners. One is what you mentioned in the article, uh, individual pension plan. Let's touch on that really quickly. Yeah, so an individual pension plan, again, is another solution for a business owner that wants to ramp up the amount that she can save uh, for retirement. You might consider an individual pension plan, which is basically a re- like a really good government-defined benefit plan for one person or for one person and their spouse or partner. The corporation makes deductions into the pension plan. And again, at the same time, you're moving assets from the corporation into a separate trustee pension plan so that those assets are accumulating income on a tax-free basis inside the pension plan and are not included in the $50,000 passive income limitation. At the same time, you're also building up a substantial pool of assets that can be used later on to provide a defined benefit pension to the business owner. So one last question before we have to get going for commercial break here. What are some of the questions that a business owner should be discussing with their investment and tax advisors to maximize these strategies? I think the most important question is take a look at the investment portfolio and take a look at the corporation and their corporation year-end and see how much passive income is being generated and whether or not Uh, you are concerned that if you have a large portfolio inside of a private company, you could be offside on the active business test uh, starting next year. So again, it's this year's income that will determine your ability to claim the small business rate next year. So I'm thinking primarily of, you know, business owners that are accumulating large pools of retirement assets in their corporations, but that continue to have an active business. That could be an incorporated professional, like a doctor, lawyer, or accountant, or it could be a small business owner that has excess assets that are not being used to operate the business. And, and Jamie, maybe just finally, so we can stress the impact of this, if you've got an active business still and you've got this big pool of, of uh, savings capital that's built up inside your corporation, maybe just give us a summary or a quick explanation of the, the impact it's going to have on how business income is taxed. Yeah, well, starting 2019, if you've got more than $50,000 of passive income, you start to lose the small business rate on a ratio of 5 to 1 until it's fully eliminated if your passive income is 150000 So right now, we have a small business rate, very attractive rate, on the first half a million dollars of active business income. If you start to hit more than $50,000 of passive income in the prior year, which is this year, the next year you start to grind down your access to the small business rate on a 5 to 1 ratio. That's why it's very important to pay attention to passive income for 2018 that could grind down your small business deduction for next year. Jamie, thank you very much. We appreciate always you summing it up for us and uh, making it understandable. My pleasure. Thank you. We've been joined by Jamie Golenbeck, who's the Managing Director, Tax and Estate Planning, CIBC Financial Planning and Advice. And, you know, Faisal, we've got a, a seminar coming up, and <clears throat> we talk about we talk about wealth in general, right? We talk about the four buckets for sure, but this is wealth in general. A corporation certainly is one of the assets that many of our clients have, and you've got to be savvy, tax savvy, and properly structured to make sure that you're, that retirement, you bulletproof that retirement. I'm, I'm smiling because yesterday I posted on my personal um, Facebook page and so forth saying um, one of the biggest expenses you're going to have in retirement mm-hmm. is taxes. And so this is very important. We're going to discuss this all on Tuesday, November 20th, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now, our 7 p.m. session is full. 
we've opened in a second session at 8.30 p.m. So you need it, to, It's getting close, actually. And it's getting close, too? Yeah. Okay, so uh, you need to reserve your seats right away. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Okay, if you're a high-income earner in Canada, if you're a business owner in Canada, the tax changes that we've gone through the past couple of years have been very punitive. Stick around after this break if you want to hear about how to minimize that and maximize your retirement experience. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, retirement, uh, tax changes, tax changes over the past couple of years. We just come off a segment with Jamie and explaining how tax changes have affected business owners. Uh, but tax changes have affected high-income earners. So, so let me kind of paint the picture for many, many business owners. Uh, it's been... Um, tax practice for, I would say, decades, mm -hmm. where we've seen accountants give advice that use your corporation as the vehicle to save for retirement. Right. There's sometimes no need to put an RSP. There's maybe sometimes no need to take money out unnecessarily for tax purposes. The government is slowly chipping away at that strategy. Uh, one of them is what Jamie just discussed mm -hmm. at the last segment. Now, there are a couple of strategies that um, business owners, um, high-income, uh, um, big-saving business owners need to be aware of. Yeah, or employees, right? High-income earning employees as well. You don't have to own your own business Correct. for all of this, but there are different strategies now that I think we need to educate people on that they need to be aware of that they can take advantage of to help mitigate some of the impact of these higher taxes. Correct. Right? And, and, and it's not only tax today, mm -hmm. Dave. It's That's tax... Right in retirement and how you can transition to retirement. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, the biggest expense you're going to have in retirement is going to be taxes. So let's talk about two strategies that we have, uh, we are working closely with our clients on uh, and that we would like to educate everybody about how these opportunities work. And so we have Navaz Kasim. He's the president of GBL Incorporated. Uh, Navaz, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me on, guys. Okay, so there are two different strategies I kind of want to focus on. One of them is called a retirement compensation arrangement, and another one is an individual pension plan. So let's break those two things down. What's an, um, a retirement compensation arrangement, or RCA, and then we'll go into the IPP, or individual pension plan, next. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, so retirement compensation arrangement is really a, it's a very flexible retirement tool. And it's a vehicle that allows you to tax shelter large amounts of money. Uh, it's different from an RSP and even an IPP that there's no earnings maximums. So the higher income earners can really benefit from tax sheltering, you know, large amounts of money because they're not capped at that $147,000 limit that year that, you know, regular defined benefit plans or RSPs or anything like that have. Uh, so this... Very yeah, this is targeting uh, this is targeting high income earners. What's so the flexibility, and we're not going to be able to do it justice in the time we have today. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, if you're listening, what kind of person benefits from this? If somebody's listening to this, who should be thinking about this? So definitely high income earners. We say anybody over one hundred fifty thousand dollars of income. Uh, somebody actually utilizing retirement savings. You know, that's the first step. Uh, it's flexible in terms of it's a pay as you go strategy. So it's designed as a defined benefit plan, but the idea is you can fund it as you see fit. So that makes it really flexible for business owners, for employers, uh, for anyone, especially when you know earnings might be hit or miss between the years, uh, us being in the oil patch with the ups and downs. So it really creates that, that large flexibility. Now, Navaz, we've got to be clear about this. It's um, 
there are some rules around what money can go into this. So if you're making 150 or 200 or 300 thousand dollars a year, it's not you can just direct willy nilly whatever money you want to go into that. There are some rules around this as to what can be contributed and what can't. Again, can't do it justice in the time, but give us a sort of a framework of of you know what could be funded, what could go into a retirement compensation arrangement. Okay, so it's uh, it, it, we would design it based on a, a 2% defined benefit plan with certain assumptions. Uh, but if you're making $150,000 a year, you know, those contribution amounts could be north of at least $40,000 a year, you know, regardless of your age. So it really makes it a lot more viable tool than an RSP. Uh, as your earnings increase, obviously, those amounts just skyrocket. Uh, it takes into account your best three years of earnings. So, you know, if you've had lower income earning years, we don't have to utilize those. So you can really benefit in that sense. It is it is credit protected as well. Mm-hmm. So you do have that, you know, as a business owner, as an employee, or anybody who has an RCA. If if something does happen, at least your your retirement assets are protected. Now, Navaz, I might have missed this. The contribution that's made into this RCA is a deduction to the company, correct? Correct, yes. 100% okay. of everything going in is a deduction to the company. Okay, so that's the most flexible plan that we, we have seen with uh, with business owners and key employees that may be able to uh, appreciate this type of, mm-hmm. uh, of, an, of a strategy. Uh, there's another one which may not be as flexible, but is still a good strategy out there that's known as the individual pension plan. Navaz, give us some details of what it is and who does it benefit. Okay, so the individual pension plan is like a supersized RSP. Uh, it really benefits business owners. That includes, you know, professional corporations. And really, it allows you to put up to 62% more in than a regular RSP. You know, you get benefits of having your business for a few years and you set one up now. You can capitalize on those, on those years that you've had your, comp- that you've had your company. Uh, so you can make large contributions for past service. Again, it is creditor protected. So it has a lot of the bells and whistles. You know, we see defined benefit in the news all the time. And we see it's expensive. So this is really, because it's so expensive, it allows business owners to pull a lot of money out of the corporation. And what a lot of people don't know is that individual pension plans for connected employees, so, you know, you own at least 10% of your company, it's flexible. So there's no mandated funding. You know, in the news we see a lot of negative stereotypes that all these companies have to keep funding their pension obligations and they're having issues. And, well, no, in an IPP you don't have that. If you don't, if you don't want to fund, you don't have to fund. So it's got the huge flexibility of a, you know, an RSP, but the increased contribution amounts because it's an IPP. And you're saying when you say the word expensive, uh, business owners shouldn't hear it perhaps the way they're hearing it. When you say expensive, it's based on the actuarial assumptions, return uh, assumptions today allows business owners to fund to take a tremendous amount of money out of the corporation to fund these IPPs based on those pension actuarial assumptions. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Maybe expensive wasn't the right term. You're right. So, so Nevaz, let's let's talk about setting up this these two different strategies, the retirement compensation arrangement. What does a individual or business owner have to go through? What steps do they have to take to set one up? So it's pretty uh, it's, it's fairly simple for the retirement compensation arrangement. Um, we do a, an actuarial certificate uh, for the RCA. We submit all the filings to CRA. Uh, we set up the plan, and then at that point, it's really, once it's set up, it's a matter of just contribution amounts. And they just write checks. The company just writes tax-deductible contribution amounts to the plan, and then the assets are held in trust and managed by yourselves. Uh, so the, the employee, at the end of the day, or the employer, or the, or the business owner, always has control of the assets. And what about an individual pension plan? 
So individual pension plan is very similar as well. We file with the regulator. Um, it takes about a month, you know, to get to get our deemed approval, uh, and at that point they can start funding the individual pension plan. And again, the assets are held, um, you know, with with yourselves, and the employee really decides what they want to do with it. So we would manage the vehicle and make sure that, you know, they benefit from the increased contribution amounts, but it really gives them flexibility and it's their money at the end of the day. From your practice right now, what are you seeing as the trend? Are we seeing more retirement compensation arrangements? Are you seeing more individual pension plans coming on board? Um, you've seen a, a big growth in your in your business on, the, on this type of stuff. So where's where's the trend going? So in um, for business owners, we've seen a huge push on the individual pension plan, especially you know in Alberta and BC where tax rates you know were, were mm-hmm. approaching fifty percent and all the other tax changes. Uh, on the retirement compensation arrangements, we're seeing business owners as well, but the RCAs have very are very interesting in that they can be used for executive groups. So you don't need to be a business owner to have an RCA. Yeah. And that flexibility allow executive groups, severance, uh, professional athletes. So it kind of, we've seen the door open really wide on that side. So for those of you who are listening, some of you are driving your car and can't get all this information or, or keep it with you. If you would like more information on an RCA, a retirement compensation arrangement, or the individual pension plan, reach out to us at morethanmoneyradio.com. We are, we are focused on educating individuals and business owners on these types of strategies. These are huge tax saving strategies and great retirement programs as well. So give us a, a reach out on morethanmoneyradio.com and uh, just contact us and we'll be more than happy to share that information with you. Now, as we have to leave it there, I want to thank you for um, um, making this in a very short period of time understandable, and I think we'll get lots of people's attention. Thanks for your time today. Perfect. Thank you, guys. been joined by Navaz Kasim, is the president of GBL uh, Incorporated. We've got a seminar coming up. We're going to be talking about retirement, right, and how to bulletproof it, the various vehicles you can use, proper structure, all of that. That'll be on Tuesday, November 20th, at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Now, our 7 p.m. 7 p.m. session is full. We have a few spots available which for our second session at 8.30 p.m. So give us a call at 966-8400, 966-8400 to register or go online to morethanmoneyradio.com. Lots of fear about the, the market's returns, what's happening this year. We're going to talk about return expectations. We're going to talk about risk and what you can expect today versus 20 years ago. You'll be very surprised at, at the, uh, the differences. Tune in for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, I, I think this has been a really interesting show. You know, at the top of the show, we started talking a little bit about people's feeling and how it's affecting them, yep. right, and the all the fear, reasons for the that. feelings yep. what's not going well economically from their perspective or politically. Talked about taxes, right, If uh, how to minimize that. You sent a, uh, a post out recently talking about that the biggest uh, impact that you're having in your retirement, the biggest expense item, is going to be tax. We have to be tax savvy. savvy. We have to be structured properly. Yep. If you're a high income earner or if you're a business owner, okay, you need to educate yourself about all the tools that you have in your tool belt to uh, minimize the impact of that. That's correct. Now, I want to try to tie all this together and, and doing some research. There's a couple of things here. Um, I came across um, a global survey. This is a 2018 global survey of individual investors. And we're talking over 9,000 investors worldwide surveyed. And lots to this, um, but I was looking at um, people's uh, investors and professionals 
assumptions and feelings about different things, active versus passive investing, return and risk expectations. And there was some pretty interesting stuff that, uh, that came out of this. I'm going to go to risk and return because I want to talk about risk and return a little bit because gotcha. it has changed fundamentally over the past 20 years because the environment we're in today versus where we were 20 years ago okay. versus where we may be 20 years from now. Gotcha. Okay. Risk and return. Investors, according to this, may think that they have a realistic view on the risks that come with investing. But in reality, what the survey found is that they struggle with just how much risk that they're willing to take in the pursuit of returns. Okay. All right. Love it. That's interesting. Um, this is not surprising to you and I. No, no, no. And, and we've it... got the data. Yeah. We've seen the data year in, year in, year. And this is why we have five pillars on our investment strategy approach. You know it. This is not because we just believe that stocks and bonds or just stocks are the best place to be. Yes, long term. But when it comes to volatility or risk, we call the word standard deviation. Yep. Um, that's where the importance come into play. Okay. Let me let me just give a few more, a little bit more background from the survey. And okay. then let's talk about this. The, the difference. The data. Okay? I'll the talk data. about the data. Perfect. Yeah, okay. Perfect. Go for it. So uh, in this particular survey, 53% of, of investors say that this most recent bull run since the last Great Recession has made them feel secure about their investments. Eight in 10 respondents, 79% to be precise, uh, in the survey uh, of financial professionals, okay, people like you and I, believe that the prolonged bull market has actually made investors complacent about risk. Correct. Okay. Um, one more thing. 54% say that they're comfortable, investors, they're comfortable taking risks to get ahead. 7 in 10 say that the sudden a sudden 10% fluctuation is a normal part of investing. We saw that in October. What okay? was the percent again? 7 out of 10 say that that's normal. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, I don't know if that's accurate. Well, hang on. With it. So, so what, it, what the conclusion was, that despite sharing the pragmatic view... Okay, 7 out of 10 said, yeah, 10% I understand is normal. Only 30% of investors actually believe that volatility creates opportunity. Another 39% uh, think that it's just something they have to endure. Okay, So there's a disconnect. If you read this report, what you're going to find is there's a disconnect between what people conceptually understand, and this feeds to what we were talking about in the first segment, yep. and what they actually experience or feel. Okay, so what are the expectations of returns? Oh. That people have, because that's that they, the data that they put together on this on this survey. Yeah. There was an expectation that people have in rates of return. Okay, let me get there. I'm going to tell you what the what the global average was. Okay. This, this is amazing. Globally, individual investors believe that they will need a 10.4 percent return above inflation. So I'm talking a 13 percent rate of return. Yeah. Okay. Um, in Canada. The survey Let's six. focus on Canada because there yep. are other parts yep. of the world that have had higher inflation rates, higher growth rates, and so their expectations are higher. Okay. Right? Canadians, 60% of them at least, 9.1% above inflation was their expectation. Wow. Above inflation. So we're talking between 11 and call it 12.5%, depending okay. on what inflation number you want to use. Okay. Okay. 11 and 12% rate of return. Okay. So there's the background. There's the context. Okay. So let's use the 9%. Actually, you know what? Let's use a lower number because I've got some data in front of me that I pulled for this piece. Um, there are two ways you can build a portfolio, regardless if you're in retirement or not. Correct. Okay. If you're looking for growth, and I'll tell you how most people come to us the very first time, and let me use some easy numbers here. Let's say you have $2 million mm -hmm. and you need... $70,000 in uh, in income off that 2 million bucks. Okay. 
So the um, the individual will then say, just take 70,000 divided by 2 million and whatever that number is, right? 3% and so forth, three and a half percent. That's all I have to get. Right. Okay. What they forget about is inflation in the future. What they forget about is taxes. What they forget about is investment management fees mm-hmm. and everything that kind of chips away at your money before you get it in your pocket. Right. Before you can spend it. Yeah. So what we did is we got the data. And I, I'll tell you, a, a person expecting a 7.5% rate of return, this is more than double than we just talked about, a 7.5% rate of return, which is fairly close to what the survey says for Canadians, is what they're expecting. Well, they said 9.1% above, above inflation. inflation. Yeah. Well, let's use 7.5%, okay? Back in 1995, if you wanted to get a 7.5% rate of return, you would be 100% in the bond market. Yeah, you could have been, right? Yeah. You could have invested that, 100%. That would have been the safest way of yep. getting that. Mm-hmm. And that volatility, we call standard deviation, would be 6%. Right. So it could move up or down 6% on that. So, right. so think of it this way on a $2 million portfolio, mm-hmm. okay, that is $120,000 swings. Right. Yeah. But you'll average 75 over time. Right. Okay. Fast forward to 2005, so 13 years ago. In order to get the same 7.5% rate of return, mm-hmm. you would have to endure a 9% center deviation or risk. Why is that? Because the interest rates went down. Oh, uh, yeah. So you can't rely on bonds. So you can't be just 100% bond investor. At that time, right? right? Gotcha. Yep. You have to add on more investments, such as maybe stocks or real estate and so forth. Risk assets. Risky assets. Okay. Risk, more risk. Risk assets. And yeah. therefore, by taking on more risk, you have to accept a 9% standard deviation. Same $2 million portfolio now has to expect $180,000 swings. Same return expectation. To get the same return you could have got at, uh, at 100% bonds at 7.5% back in 1995. Okay. Let's forward another 10 years. So three years ago, 2015 data I have right now hasn't changed much as of, as of lately. An expected rate of return, a 7.5% rate of return is what you're expecting. In order to get that, you have to accept a standard deviation or volatility of 17%. Okay. Which is now almost triple of what you have to expect in, in regards to risk back in 1995. Why is that? Interest rates fell even further. Right. We had to diversify outside of certain markets, just like the U.S. Don't forget, in, nine, in 2015, you were coming out of the, the biggest um, financial crises in most people's investment history. Um, those types of issues came into play, but now you're taking a 17% uh, risk, which basically turns out to being $340,000 swings. Right. So in order to get the same rate of return of 7.5%, you have to take on way more risk. Right. And because of the economic environment, right? This is what's changed. 20 years, a whole bunch has changed. Huge. Right. If you looked at, and I'm looking at the data that you're looking at, the fixed income component, which in 1995 to achieve that return was 100%, is down to 12% in the assumed model in 2015. Correct. That means we've had to reduce um, you know, virtually all of the fixed income, which could have been safe government and good quality corporate bonds, and add things like stocks, real estate, alternative investments, things that have higher volatility, higher risk. Okay, so let me kind of just break this down for you. If you're expecting 
a 7.5% rate of return, you need to accept that you're going to be taking 17% swings. Now, some people will say, I'm not willing to accept that kind of risk. Right. I want you to keep my risk the same. Right. Let's go back to 1995. The standard deviation of risk was 6%. I want to take the same level of risk as I did in Throughout the whole period. In what order to do expect? that, now, back in 1995, you would have got 7.5%. In 2015, 4.8%. So you're taking on less return for the same risk. Right. And so this is where you have to sit down with your advisor and make sure that you either have the conversation of are you going to focus on return and accept the risk yep. or focus on the risk and deal with the return. Very interesting. Okay, we're going to talk about risk, return, profit, protect, all of this at our upcoming seminar. On Tuesday, November 20th at the Crowfoot Co-op Wine, Spirits, and Beer. Our 7 p.m. session is full now. We have a few spots left for our 8.30 session, but, but please give us a call to register at 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. You can also ask, access all of our past segments at morethanmoneyradio.com. Or if you want, you can have them delivered directly to you each week by searching for More Than Money CHQR on Apple or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of More Than Money on 770-CHQR. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada.